Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. MLB Draft is done. It's in the books. And if you are a Pittsburgh Pirate fan who read, let's say, the top 32 entries on Baseball America's top 500 going in, you're probably pretty excited about that haul. It's a big one. This this could be a big one. Good morning and welcome to the podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Stump. That draft day two could be a day we remember in Pirates history. It could be one of those days that we look back on. and We've seen a lot of talent come into this organization. Young talent, players who could be a part of a competitive Pirates team going forward, but I don't think there had ever been a stretch where over the course of a couple hours, just bam, bam, bam. Anthony Salamato. Lonnie White Jr. Bubba Chandler. Two pitchers an outfielder, and that doesn't even count Henry Davis, who is going to become the number one Pirates prospect the second he puts pen to paper. It's a very, very interesting opportunity for the Pirates. Yes, it's a draft that is going to be determined by those first three or four rounds. I'll give four for you know Owen Kellington. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write my Owen Kellington thoughts and information I got. It, it, it's something I don't know how well I would translate through a podcast. But my short version is Northeast kid. Obviously, there are a lot of risks that go in there. Not as long of a season, but there's some upside there. It's a projectable arm. Maybe not as projectable as Bubba Chandler and Anthony Salamento. Now, I'm not going to to lie here. Without context, those two pitchers are pretty similar to pitchers we have seen the Pirates target in the past. We have seen them go after the Stephen Jennings. 
the Braxton Ashcrafts. The, the guys who fall out of the first round but could be graded as, you know, first-round-ish talents. And, you know, projectable arms. That's kind of... That was kind of Neil Huntington's downfall whenever it came to drafting pitchers is, you know, who are the projectable arms? And then they just didn't project well, and a lot of that had to do with player development. As much as people love to say how different things are under Ben Sherrington, and there are things different under Ben Sherrington, just a small one, this is a small tangent. Do you notice in the hype-up videos that the Pirates have for these kids, they'll be like, Bubba Chandler, and then they'll have the area supervisor giving you information on it. In the Nick Gonzalez release last year, they singled out the scouts. They've done that a couple times now. They want to make sure everyone who helped make this possible gets a small moment in the sun. And that's a small, subtle change that I think is really appreciated in the Pirates organization. Because whenever I tweeted that, a couple people in the Pirates organization liked the tweet. So I think that might be a little indicator of what's what's going on there but yeah it's we want to talk about culture changes in the front office that's a very small one a very subtle one i i like that one changes though haven't really been made in a lot of the pirate scouting and a lot of the in, in amateur scouting it's still joe delicari running the ship there which i i don't mean that as a knock these last two draft classes have been very good for the Pirates. And even in the past, you know, faults, I don't think it was a Joe thing. I think it was a player development thing. I have said this multiple times. We wouldn't be talking about why did Garrett Cole do better somewhere else? Why did Tyler Glass now do better somewhere else? It's like, if, if it was really a scouting thing, there wouldn't be a Tyler Glass now. We wouldn't be hearing about this. Those guys were just all... Fizzle out a double A, triple A, and that, that's it. It is ultimately going to come down to player development, but I feel like the Pirates' player acquisition groups for amateur and professional scouting were quite good. That's why we didn't see a ton of overhaul whenever Ben Sherrington came around. But we have seen a lot of overhaul in player development. That's just two cents there. Back to the original point, though. We've seen pitchers like Chandler and Salamato be drafted by the previous regime. I mean, if anything, they were guilty of that. Anytime that they went after high upside pitchers, they were always high schoolers in the early rounds. They After Mark Appel just burned them, left them at the altar, that was it. It's like, all right, we'll go with high schoolers. Guys who will sign, you know around slot bonuses or if it's second third or later rounds you know a little over we'll save money in other places and we'll give it to them those lack of impact college arms that sin was kind of forgiven last year whenever they got Majinski whenever they got Nick Garcia whenever they got Logan Hoffman who small guy high RPM curveball and I, I love I don't know if I've put this in here but I asked Fernando Nieff, his uh, his pitching coach at Bradenton, I said, what makes him a good pitcher? And he thought about it for a little bit, like trying to think of a way to say it without using these actual words. And then he just said the actual words. He's like, he's got cojones. I don't have any other way of putting it. Which I, I love. I love for that. You know, 
Jack Hartman suffered, you know, the elbow injury, Tommy John surgery right away, but, you know, high spin guy, someone who could be in the mix in a bullpen spot. They got impact college arms last year. They paid for the sins. They they separated themselves from the Neil Huntington draft approach there. This time around, those young arms that they're getting, it it just falls right in line with every acquisition move we have seen Ben Charrington make. Anytime he has these opportunities to get talented players, to bring in player acquisition, it is always teenagers. Not saying they're all teenagers, but I, I defy you to think of a, a significant player acquisition move under Ben Sherrington where he didn't get a guy 20 or younger. You hear? A couple 18-year-olds. It, it's the same thing that we saw with Pagero, with Head, with Yeed, with Malone. It's just every single time there's something along the lines there. Escato, there's every single time there's something like that in a trade. This draft, there is a long way to go. I'm going to preface it with everything. And I'm, I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit here. I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit here. But this draft has serious potential. I got comps for some of these players. I'm going to be writing them up, but just to drop a couple one of them. Lonnie White, I, I, I'm going to drop my favorite one, actually. My, the best one... I got out of it. Just want to make sure I got it right. Yeah. Go to my notebook here. The best one I got was for Lonnie White Jr. And he's like, do you guys have Aldi's? This is from someone who evaluated draft prospects from a from a rival club. He said, do you guys have Aldi's in Pittsburgh? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we have Aldi's in Pittsburgh. He's like, okay. Lonnie White Jr. is the Aldi's version of Starling Marte. He's like, he's not quite Starling Marte. But he's, it's really close. That's like the comp. That's the player potential ceiling. Salomeno, he fancies himself, you know, in his delivery with Kershaw and Bumgarner tendencies. The timing mechanisms are definitely something different. He's touched mid-90s, but he sits in the lower 90s. But there's some room to grow as he gets there. Bubba Chandler, I got a report that he's already hit 97. He's hitting, he sits in the lower 90s, I'm not going to lie here, but splitting time between football and baseball, he's, he's already hit 97 as an 18-year-old. This kid could be a fireballer. Projectable arms. We've seen the Pirates target guys like this before. But what you're seeing right now in the lower levels with those, what's going on, with the Eddie Yeans, all the pitching that's going on in Greensboro, that change in player development is making an impact. You have to flood the system with these types of players. Ben Sherrington has really put a lot of resources in. Let's get more high upside guys than guys who just have a major league type ceiling, but maybe not impact, like the higher floor or lower ceiling guys. No, he's he's been targeting those high ceiling guys. He got four of them in his first four picks this year it's a very very intriguing class whenever we get back though we gotta talk about the rest of 2021 and how it's 
it's it's less intriguing <laughs> if you're a baseball fan. whatever year those young players come up to the majors, that Pirates team looks a lot more interesting, a lot more intriguing, a lot just more talented. There, There's still a ways to go in this one, though. 2021 is not the year of the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's just not, at least in terms of Major League product, because there have been some highlights and it looks like there might be a gutting coming up before the end of the month. Adam Frazier is going to get traded. It's a matter of to whom, not if. It's not even really a matter of when. We, we, we know. I am recording this at the very end of July 14th. Within the next 15 and a half days, we will know who Adam Frazier's new team is. Richard Rodriguez. Probably heading out too. Chris Stratton. Maybe a guy. Everyone's looking for bullpen help. Tyler Anderson. Cheap starting pitcher. Throw him at the back end of your, of your rotation. Uh, we, we could list so many different players who should garner at least some trade value. Trade interest. And if you thought 33 and 55 was particularly good baseball to watch. Yeah, yeah, well, now do it without some of your best players the rest of the way. So how do you make 2021 more interesting? I, I think I wrote this last year. It's like, hey, reasons to still watch the Pirates in 2020, even though they were just absolutely horrible. It didn't, it, it got views. Yeah, I, I wasn't particularly proud of that one. In hindsight, it was a, I need a story, and I like this idea a lot more on concept than the finished product. So why, why should we, let's, as I express my regret, let's see why you should do it for 2021. Because last year, one of the big reasons I had was the kids were coming. With, with Hayes and Cedarland, it's like, look, there, there are some legitimate prospects coming up. Don't really have that this year. I mean, we should see Yuhuri and Kranich again, and that's good. But in terms of who is the best player who hasn't already played in the major leagues, who could appear in 2021, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's one that's really like, oh boy, that's real exciting. I mean, Cruz and Contreras with those forearm injuries, never say never. Never say never. I mean, especially in Contreras' case, they brought Kranich up after three starts in AAA. Guaranteed not, you know, you're up for good, but, you know, as a spot start. So, I, as a pitcher, maybe they do that for him. They let Jared Oliver come up. Maybe they, you know, just give O'Neill Cruz a taste of the major leagues, let him stay there, pinch hit, kind of like what Castro is more or less doing right now. If they did it with Rodolfo Castro, I have to imagine that it's at least within the realm of possibility for O'Neill Cruz. Besides those guys, there's no one in AAA who hasn't already played in the majors who could potentially be an impact player in the majors. 
I mean, I, I was asked, and I think I came up with, like, Shea Spitzbarth, which I, I don't mean that as a knock on Spitzbarth. He's an interesting reliever, but I don't think he's a closer or anything. He's kind of like someone who could... His ceiling is a good guy to have in your bullpen, which is a fine ceiling. There's nothing wrong with having a guy like that in AAA, but whenever that's the most intriguing player who's never been in the major leagues, that's uh, AAA's kind of barren. Actually, it's completely barren. Indianapolis is not a good spot, and I feel like that's maybe the best way to just demonstrate how quickly the Pirates farm system has improved under Charrington and company is look what's going on at Altoona and Greensboro and Bradenton where a lot of those players were actually acquired by this new regime. Or if they weren't acquired by the new regime, they were in for just like a hot minute before, before Neil Huntington and company were fired. And again, I say that's more, those shortcomings were in player development, not player acquisition. So it's not like, oh, now Quinn Priester, he's good all of a sudden. No, Quinn Priester was just a good player. Yeah, that's where that tangent was going off on. Just Indianapolis, not very good. So what's interesting? What's Why should we tune in to 2021 Pirates baseball the rest of the way? Well, the short, stupid answer that I always give is because baseball is a joy and baseball is fun and if you can't enjoy just even bad baseball, I mean, I, I'm the bad, wrong person to ask to ask this question to, because I grew up in Pittsburgh in in the early 2000s. You can you can apply what a lot of baseball, <laughs> the quality of baseball I watched a lot of was. Baseball's just fun, in that regard. What's interesting to me are three players. Three players for very different reasons. One is Brian Reynolds. And I don't mean Brian Reynolds just because he's a really good player, but I want to see Brian Reynolds in September. Because this is, Reynolds, this is a great year. Like, as good as that rookie season was, he wasn't as good as this. This is the best baseball we have seen him play. This has been one of the best stretches we have seen a Pirates outfielder play since Andrew McCutcheon. It's just a matter of doing it over a whole season now. Because, yeah, we... 2020, that's all I'm going to say there. Um, 2019, he fell off in September. It was the first time he was playing in September. He didn't say he was tired, but everything kind of signaled that, you know, guy kind of hit the wall at that point. Which is fine for a rookie. It's September. It was September for our last place team. That's absolutely no reason to sweat. But seeing how Brian Reynolds plays the second half, finishes this season, is very intriguing to me because I feel like that's going to be the yes, what is going to set him apart maybe in the future. Because if he has a second half of the season as good as his first half of the season, Brian Reynolds deserves down ballot MVP votes. Brian Reynolds deserves that whenever MLB Network does its top 10 outfielders right now, he deserves to be on that list. Him starting the All-Star game, even if it was through an injury and unfortunate circumstance, was a great sign. Let's see him finish the second half. I am confident that he can do it. Second player that I am interested in is 
Kevin Newman. Because more or less, this is this is it for Kevin Newman. I don't see the Pirates hanging on to him in 2023, definitely, if he's not going to hit. The defense has been great, and I feel like maybe even a little understated because of just how much the bat has just soured everything. Kevin Newman has to hit. And I don't... I'm not particularly confident that he'll ever hit like he did in 2019 again. This is his last opportunity. There'll be there'll be reps for it to happen, but this is kind of it for him. Maybe not on the Pirates' standpoint, you know, hang on to the guy, former top prospect, but him, Cole Tucker, put Cole Tucker in there, so call it three and a half players, but someone there has to hit. O'Neill Cruz hasn't played the game in the outfield yet. I'm just saying they could just rough it out with the defense with him there. The third player that I am interested to see how they perform the rest of the year is JT Brubaker. Because we have seen Brubaker at his at the beginning of the year, really good stuff, really executing his pitches. He's not doing that with the slider right now, and he's being crushed by the long ball. Brubaker, in a lot of ways kind of has Trevor Williams stuff. Both of them have slider is their best pitch. Brubaker relies on the curve more, but before, you know, this before coming up to the majors, it was rarely a pitch that he threw. Used to be primarily a sinker guy, transitioned to four seamer. Not blow up by you stuff, but sits, you know, comfortably in the low 90s get through there. We saw Trevor Williams really have a couple Good stretches with the parts, but did it really, whatever it didn't work out, it really didn't work out. And it's not fair, maybe, for me to, for me to make that comparison to Brubaker, but we have seen long balls sink pitchers before, and this has been a problem for a couple, about a month and a half or so. He has some good pitches. It's about executing them and making them play in the zone. I'm interested to see what he does in that second half. If it's going to be more what we saw the last month or so, that is going to be kind of a, a cause for concern. Not saying that Brubaker is going to be you know, the ace of the staff, but he was the guy looking at that rotation that really looked like someone who could be part of it going forward. Not counting Kranich, not counting Yehure, who have made starts, but like actually currently in the Pirates rotation right now. Brubaker is going to have to improve over the second half of the season. Thank you so much for watching or listening. This, this, is, this is an audio. This is an audio file, not video. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast to be named later here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Audible, on on uh, iTunes, on Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are found. They, for some reason, let me put this on there, too. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week. Mm-hmm.